I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, guys. Welcome back to a brand spanking new episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Today, we have a wonderful guest with us. We are joined by Crystal Dunham. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist who helps individuals navigate nutrition to nourish their bodies, improve their health, and heal their relationship with food. She uses intuitive eating approaches to help clients stitch the diets and relearn what health means for them. While she provides nutrition to all individuals, she is most passionate about working with diverse communities because many times risky dieting and restrictive behaviors go unnoticed in these communities. Her path to becoming a dietitian drew her to the Peace Corps in or from 2016 to 2018. She returned to Oklahoma where she earned her master's in nutrition and food science and is a licensed dietitian in Oklahoma, Texas, and Oregon. She lives in the Tulsa metropolitan area with her, uh, with her husband. We are so excited for today's episode. We're going to talk about all things binge eating and cannot wait for you to listen. Enjoy. <laughs> that was so crazy. <laughs> I was like, I could end it there. Enjoy. <laughs> Okay, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Upbeat Dietitians Podcast. Hello, everyone. We have a special guest with us today. Crystal will be joining us to discuss all things binge eating. But before we get into the nitty gritty, we want to hear just kind of from you, Crystal. Thank you so much for being here, by the way, right away. We're so excited to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've just been waiting to sit down and chat with both of you. Perfect. So Crystal, tell us a little bit about yourself. So our listeners just kind of know who you are and besides just being a dietitian, because that's typically who we tend to bring on, but what maybe like a day in the life looks like, what you do for work, uh, past education, hobbies, anything like that. Yeah. So I'm a dietitian. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I, I've always, I always feel like I've lived several lives. Um, so my, this is my third, fourth, fifth career. I don't know. I've kind of lost track. Um, so I actually have an undergrad in business and, um, I went to school, did that. It seemed like the easy four years in and out. And then I started working, um, in corporate USA and I hated every moment of my life. (laughs) And so um, I guess how I found dietetics, nutrition, um, during that time, I would just sit in my office and just listen to podcasts about nutrition. At that time, I ran a lot. I was into like endurance sports and things of that nature. And of course, when the ugly side that comes from that, you get kind of sucked into how can I eat the healthiest and be the healthiest and do all of the things. Um, So kind of twofold. A good thing came out of it, my current career, but kind of getting into like the the restriction and all of the crazy stuff. Um, so anyhow, I ended up um, through that deciding to go back to school to become a dietitian. Um, 
I served in the Peace Corps. Um, so like I said, I've lived a lot of lives um, and I currently live in Tulsa with my husband and all of my plants in my, my garden. <laughs> Oh, we love a fellow plant parent. Emily and I, uh, we dabble. I'd say we dabble, right, Emily? We're not really hardcore yet. I don't do anything with gardening. It's all my partner. That's Hannah, true. you do much more than me. <laughs> Emily watches from afar. I'd say I'm a plant parent, but it's more of like a plant graveyard at my house. I'm trying oh. to like learn and get better. So practice makes progress, I suppose. <laughs> the best plant parents, this is going to sound awful because this would not work in any other circumstance, but the best plant parents are plant parents who have killed a few plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely only applies to plant parents. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I well, love that you, go sorry, ahead. I just wanted to say, I love that you've had so many different careers. I feel like yes. anyone hearing that would because they expect you to just know what you want to do when you're like 17 years old. Frontal lobe is not developed completely. <laughs> you have not been in the real world. No. They should not be giving children that much power. Uh, <laughs> but, but I love that. Your frontal lobe isn't developed enough to make a career decision, but it's developed enough to sign away for student loans but that's a completely different story yeah that's a oh, whole yeah. that's our that's our spinoff podcast <laughs> oh my gosh but let's get into it instead of talking all your different careers which I'd love to do um but I'm sure people want to hear about kind of your expertise on binge eating so before we go into maybe like how to like deal with the binge eating or like common misconceptions let's just start off with what would you kind of define or describe binge eating as yeah um good question that can be kind of tricky right so if we're looking at the definition of binge eating the definition is consuming a large amount of food in one setting but what does that mean, right? So across cultures, a large amount of food might look different than what we might see as a large amount of food in Western culture, right? So it can get a little little murky. Um, binge eating is really just, as I mentioned, like that description, um, when we're talking about eating disorder, um, further, it can go into binge eating disorder, which is an actual medical diagnosis that you're going to find in the DSM. Um, and even with that, there are a lot of limitations to that. Again, going back to what is a large quantity of food? What does that mean? Um, and also, what is the period of time? Is it within 30 minutes? Is it within three hours? Like, how do we really, really define that? And I think we know, like, kind of working in this space, how our uh, field is very Eurocentric. So um, we know there's even still limitations to the diagnosis, right? Because they're not really looking at a lot of populations, right? To determine a, a true diagnosis or criterion for that diagnosis. So true. So true. Maybe a better, not a better question, but another question to kind of go along with this, because it is so hard to define is maybe like, what would you say, in, or excuse me, what would you say binge eating is not? Like, what are some common misconceptions about it? Things that you hear that maybe is definitely not what you'd consider binge eating. Yeah, yeah. So to be very vague, it's not a joke. We know that. And it's mm -hmm. not just excessively overeating at Christmas or at a birthday party. Um, and oh my gosh, it 
irks me to my core when I hear other medical professionals make light of what binge eating is. And for example, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm, 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 I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, I went to go get a flu shot, maybe last flu season. And the nurse was asking me what I did. And I usually don't like telling people what I do because then you get to hear about everything they've done. Right. Mm -hmm. um, one of my really good friends told me, I just tell people I'm a teacher because technically you are. So I'm like, yeah, no one asks about teachers. But anyhow, um, I'd gone to get a flu shot and I mentioned that I was a dietitian to this nurse who was giving me my shot. And she said, oh, well, what populations do you see? Like, who do you work with? And I said, I work in eating disorders, specifically binge eating. Oh, well, my cat's a binge eater. What? Oof. So as a dietitian, right? Like, I know that is not binge eating, but I'm thinking, what if that was a patient, like mm -hmm. someone who really does need help with binge eating? And I have a medical professional telling me like, essentially, it's a joke. My cat does that. So all that to say, binge eating is not a joke. It is, mm -hmm. it can be very problematic, especially when it begins to interfere with people's well-being, right? When you're preoccupied in thinking about food all the time, when your only way to deal with stress or cope with emotions is just by eating, like that can become a problem. Um, and we know that eating disorders in general, um, people have high rates of suicidal ideation, and sometimes it can be even worse than that. So that is my definition of what it is not. Yeah. It's, it's tough when people make jokes with it, but especially healthcare professionals as well, because those are the ones that should be advocating for everyone and be a little bit more, I don't want to say like cautious, but like your words hold a lot of power, especially when you have any type of medical um, background. But yeah, I feel like it's definitely, it's definitely like joked about a lot. Yeah. It is. And I'm correct in saying that binge eating disorder, when it progresses to an eating disorder is the most common in the U S right. Yes. Yes. Um, I was actually looking the other day. I think the one that gets all the limelight is usually anorexia and not that mm -hmm. it's not important, but that affects about 4% of all eating disorder cases. So yes, mm -hmm. binge eating is very common. Um, and it's also one of the most common in men. I didn't know that. Interesting. I didn't know that either. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. We actually just spoke with, um, her name's Leslie about bigorexia, which isn't classified as an eating disorder technically, but talked a lot about that and how that's also very common in men too. So I didn't know that binge eating was probably even above that one, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one more misconception I want to mention is that many people just think that someone dealing with this can just stop, right? Like, yes. Just remove the food, whether it's the individual dealing with it on their own or a family member trying to help or a medical perfection, a profession who professional who is not equipped um, in this, just think someone can stop. And that just, is just really ridiculous to me. Yes. I just made a TikTok about this like the other day, actually like that exact same thing. The other thing I hear a lot is like, just get those foods out of the house. Like yeah. if you're always binging on sweets, just stop buying sweets. And that might work short term, but long-term, that's not going to be an effective approach. Right. Right. Um, it's funny. Not, I, I work with a lot of clients with 
binge eating disorder, but also some that are just binge eat, right? Not necessarily a diagnosis. And we can go into, do you have another spinoff about getting a diagnosis for binge eating? <laughs> so um, not a, a formal diagnosis, but when many times when people are trying to deal with this on their self, they think again, let me just remove whatever it is. Mm. Let me remove the brownies. Let me remove the ice cream um, to fix this. And I mean, I'm human. I mean, I like ice cream. I know carrots aren't ice cream. I know an apple's not ice cream. <laughs> like it just kind of makes you just go in harder whenever you do have that food available again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's a really good segue into our next question. So if our listeners are identifying that they themselves either just struggle with binge eating in general, maybe even have binge eating disorder, how do we treat this? And I guess kind of a part two to that question is, Emily, and I talk a lot about intuitive eating, health at every size, all of that. Is that a good approach tr for treating binging disorder or just binge eating in general? Right, right. So I think the answer, and this is like the Peace Corps answer I'm going to give you because I go back, hey, where am I going to live? Well, it depends. Hey, what should I bring to wear? It depends. So your answer <laughs> this is, it depends, right? Um, I think we have to remember that eating disorders can travel a lot of times with trauma, right? Whether it's I don't know, um, past history of abuse, right? Or um, PTSD or OCD or whatever that might, that's more of a mental um, diagnosis, but they partner with trauma a lot. And so it's really hard to start at intuitive eating <laughs> when we haven't like addressed the other things. And I mean, in my practice, I often have people who aren't even eating enough. And so if we are not eating enough, then it's really hard to get to intuitive eating or to practice from a weight inclusive lens, right? Um, so I think to answer your question, like, can we get there? Yes, but I don't think we can start there. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's such a good point about like figuring out what might be causing those behaviors. Cause like it's almost like more of like that, like symptom management where it's like, not to say that like binge eating disorder is a symptom because it's a, a very serious um, condition, but if it's something like in any case situation where it's a side effect or something that came from something else, if you just keep, if you keep trying to like treat or work around that secondary effect, but that first primary effect is still very much there and not being touched at all it's going to be very difficult yeah. to work around that's true and that's I see that a lot where especially when clients come to me and they've been trying to work on it on their own right like it's not they're trying to fix the binge part but they're ignoring yeah the the trauma or even um clients with a history of food insecurity um I don't know if this is common in all private practices, I think it should be, but I screen all of my binge eating clients for food security, whether it was in the past or present. Um, again, back to the point of you can't eat better, better per se, if you're not eating enough. <laughs> and if you don't have access to food, right, then you're probably not eating enough. Um, but then even back in childhood, there can be this fear of being hungry, right? If I've been in a position where I've been hungry before, or I've been food insecure, or maybe I grew up I, I like to say families, but I understand not everyone was raised with families, right? Um, there m might be like guilt around certain foods. However, whenever you're raised or 
Um, there could be this desire to make up for lost time for things I didn't have when I was younger and now I can have them now. Um, or even food rules from childhood. I know clean your plate club right here <laughs> um, can really play into all of that. And I don't think everyone thinks about that when they're dealing with eating disorders in general, but it's such an important piece that I think needs to be addressed again before we talk about intuitive eating or haze or weight neutral approach. So true. Like just telling someone to eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full, which we all know here that that's not what intuitive eating is all about, but that is a big part of it, that yeah. that's not going to work. If you've got a history of food insecurity or you're currently struggling with food insecurity, growing up with the clean plate club, like it's going to be so hard to just honor those hunger and fullness cues. If they're even there to begin with, like maybe you have to even figure out what those even feel like for you and kind of build trust back up with your body to like get those to be there again. It's, I guess the bottom line is that it's all just so complex. It's not just stop binge eating and you'll be fine. It's so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And just to think how dismissive that can be to a client, right? Like just mm -hmm. stop when you're full, even you're hungry. Like, does it smell good? Is it crunchy? Is it salty? Like, <laughs> it's just like really kind of a slap in the face. And they're like, my snap ran out last week. So <laughs> I'm eating Doritos from the mini machine at work because that's all I have money for. Right. Exactly. I feel like I'm always, always a little nervous to talk about the nine to five on here, but in one of my past jobs, I have worked with a clientele base who food insecurity was not an issue mm -hmm. with the large, large majority of them. And that's not to say that like, there's a there's many things that come with that but the current population I'm working with now there's a lot more fruit insecurity and I feel like the biggest reason I personally know about is because of our, the social worker I work with like they are very good about the different assessments they do they're very aware of what their home life looks like but and this is in like a scenario or like a, a scenario this is in a area of work where I know there's going to be like more lower income individuals, but in the other place or other rotations I've done just in my dietetic internship, we never really talked about food insecurity that much, or like screening for it, let alone past history of it. I feel like I love that you said that because you can be secure right now, but if you have that history, that's going to play a huge part in just like your mental status and like your mental perception of food. And I feel like there's not enough screening around that yeah. past and present. I, I agree. I agree. And I mean, all of our programs were so different, right? And I think we talked about what food insecurity is and like the technicalities of it. But other than that, it wasn't like this may be part of your job, <laughs> screening that people have food to eat instead of just showing them my plate and telling them what to eat. <laughs> I just like had a memory too, now that we're talking about this and like our programs, speaking of like anorexia and like BED and the differences and all those different things, we, I'm thinking maybe if I'm, Emily and I had the same program, at least for our undergrad. Um, do you recall us ever really talking about binge eating or was it like mostly anorexia is kind of what I recall us talking about. It was about. anorexia and bulimia. Those were yeah. the big two. We like, I think there was maybe like one or two bullet points on binge eating disorder. 
which is crazy because we just said it's the most popular one in the U.S., most yeah. common one. And I'm like, that's more than I even remember. I I I know there's a chapter about it, <laughs> maybe in our M&T book, but I don't know if we ever went over it together. It might have been like, maybe read this if you're interested. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were lucky to have one class, at least one class on nutrition counseling. We went over intuitive eating and things like that. But even with that, we didn't really, I don't know. We didn't go into the nitty gritty of the food insecurity and things like that. Like you would in real life. Um, so I feel like a lot of our job is so much just <laughs> getting your hands dirty and learning it when you're in there. Yeah. That's like revolutionary that you even had a class on that. I remember doing, uh, we got to choose a topic and I chose intuitive eating Wow! and then it was me teaching the professor and the class and answering questions. Um, and I mean, I came out guns blazing. I still (laughs) was learning a lot. So it's, it's awesome that you had like an actual presentation of that. Yeah, we have one professor who is super into that side of things, thankfully, because as I'm sure you know, not all professors are aligned with that side of things. No. Well, we have kind of touched on a few tips, but we've kind of talked about too how maybe intuitive eating, haze, weight neutrality, all of that isn't like a for sure thing to do when you are working on treating binge eating disorder or binge eating. So what are maybe some like tangible takeaway tips our listeners could work on? And I know it's so tough because everyone's cause and how they react to all these things is so different, but we love to give our listeners some things to kind of practice and take away from. So what are some practices and tips for listeners to work on if they do struggle with binge eating? Yeah. Um, of course this is not sexy. Um, (laughs) start with trying to eat three meals a day. Love Um, it. Preferably consisting of carbohydrate, protein, and a dietary fat. Um, If you are someone who has particular trigger foods or binge foods, don't cut them out completely. I think still incorporating them, specifically if you're able to incorporate them at a certain meal or a certain time, like every day, um, just because like over time it can begin to lose kind of the novelty Um, and as we spoke to getting rid of it completely often backfires, it might work for a small amount of time, but it's not really a a long game situation. So yeah, like eating three meals a day, trying to include carbohydrates, protein, and a a dietary fat with that, um, not trying to get rid of the binge food. Um, I understand in our country, I make another podcast for this about insurance and being insured, but underinsured or not. Oh, don't get Emily started. <laughs> I insurance is like the public enemy. Number one, I cannot stand insurance so much. Like we'd have to make an entire podcast about it. Like we'd make a new one. It's like the upbeat financial advisor dietitians or like something like that. And it'd just be, we could go down like the line on all these different programs. I don't even know, but I support, yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So as, as much as insurance makes some of our service more accessible, it also may not change for some people. They may have insurance and never be able to see a dietitian. Um, Mm -hmm. But if it's an option, maybe check with your insurance and see if you can work with a dietitian, particularly one that specializes in binge eating. 
Um, but those are kind of my 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 takeaways. I feel like those are all really great ways to start. And oh, yeah. then especially if you want to go further, like working with that specialized healthcare professional in that area, making sure that they have the proper background to help you out as well. Definitely that they won't compare you to their cat. Please avoid. Yes. That's a red flag. Run. That's a red flag. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Oh my gosh. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great episode. We haven't really dived into binge eating at all. So this will be no, even though we get questions constantly, so this will be such a good episode to refer back to. Yeah, we will. We're going to refer to this so much. So prepare constantly. to be overwhelmed. No, don't know. <laughs> Probably just not. exactly what I need. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if our listeners want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm mostly on Instagram as the Mother Road Dietitian, um, and I. I dabble in TikTok. I might have five <laughs> videos, but there are way too many trolls on TikTok for me. I don't know how you do it, Hannah. I just, I'm like, just because I did something doesn't mean you had to. And you also don't have to comment. <laughs> it's absurd. We've actually done episodes on just reacting to TikTok trolls because there's enough of them to make a full episode on. It's insanity. Oh my so yes, I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, that's where... That's where they can find me. I wanted to quickly backtrack because I realized I completely messed up the order of our episode today. (laughs) We, before I'm supposed to ask you where we can find (laughs) you, we like to let you give your final thoughts. So they already got your information before they get to hear your final thoughts. (laughs) But we're preemptively jumping there. So we're going to switch back around. Crystal, if your or we like to joke if there's like one thing our listeners listen to which like no one is accurately like clicking enough in the episode to just jump to this end but like hypothetically if they were to only hear one thing or like one summary of this episode what would you want to leave them with like your final thoughts on binge eating oh man wow okay let me let me give it a think real quick loaded question yeah I think I, I mean and I, I, maybe this is going to sound generic but I say this to my clients all the time that to give themselves compassion about this situation I think we can be so hard on ourselves um especially clients I have that are in their 50s and 60s and literally will say I'm 50 or 60 I should know how to do this by now right and it makes sense why you may not be able to. So um, in a world of diet culture, make another podcast for that. I mean, that is this podcast. So the main takeaway would be um, to give yourself compassion because this work is not easy. Um, And just taking the first step, it's hard, but it's going to be so worth it. I don't think that's generic at all. I don't think many of us have a whole lot of self-compassion, honestly. Like that's like a, a luxury for a lot of people. So totally agree. Just like giving yourself so much grace through this journey is so important. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for coming on. We enjoyed having you on for everyone who's listening or just jumping on. And you're wondering where our bonus question is. You'll have to listen and tune in on the 
we call the it the beat deets bonus section we're yes. chopping names crystal it's, yeah. uh, it's in the works <laughs> you'll have to go check it out there link is in our instagram bio um to hear what the bonus question is but we're done with the nitty-gritty of today crystal thank you so much for coming on it was an absolute pleasure and we know that our listeners definitely took away something from today Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And we I'd love to chat again with you. Throw me another topic. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Easily. Let's hover on for the insurance one, Emily. That yeah, we could just no. talk we'll for hours for about like that. all day. It'll <laughs> be like a 10 part episode. We'll have to like start at like 7 a.m. and just <laughs> fill a whole day. Yeah. <laughs> well, Crystal, thanks again. We can't wait to have our listeners hear this, and we will see you guys all next week. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of The Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.